What's up, what's up? Welcome to another episode of All Over VoiceOver with Kip VH. I'm your host, Kip VH. And joining me in the studio at the lovely Juice Studios in Santa Monica, California, the lovely, the talented Retina. Thank you so much for being here. Yay! Hi, everybody! And thank you for having me. Of it's, course. It's so much fun and it's such an honor. Thank you. Oh, dude. I mean, we've known each other for... I feel like we've known each other probably longer than we <laughs> have. <laughs> Um, but like from, from taking classes together, mm-hmm. but then also being from the Midwest, yep. like, like, well, I mean, how, how'd you, where, where are you from? Let's we'll start, okay. start from what So part, we'll like, start at the very beginning. Yes. Um, I grew up just outside of Detroit, Michigan. So, you know, good old Midwestern stuff. Yeah. Um, what part were you in? Just outside of Detroit. So it's a, a town called Troy. Yeah. It's about 20 minutes, you know, north. Um, right off of the uh, right off of seventy five. Right off of seventy five. Uh, by uh, by oh the Somerset collection. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> like my malls of choice: Oakland Mall, mm-hmm. Somerset, and um, oh god, what was the mall in Sterling Heights? Oh, Lakeside shoot. Mall. That's it. That's it. I'm, I do enjoy Twelve Oaks. Oh, that uh, was a little Oaks, far for us. I understand. It was a little far. I understand. But that was a good one. <laughs> that was where I bought uh, my engagement ring to Sherry. Actually, it was at the Rogers and Holland Aww. at the Twelve Oaks Mall. Oh, that's lovely. Uh, anyway, sorry. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, so you grew up in Troy. So I grew up in Troy, um, and you know, voiceover was sort of like a distant thing because at the time we didn't have the technology we have now. Yeah. I would just watch cartoons on TV like every kid in her pajamas with a bowl of cereal, <laughs> and um, you know, love. Looney Tunes and the Smurfs and just, you know, Muppet Babies, all of this stuff. And didn't know that people were behind that. Like, people talk for those things. And then when I got to college, I had a roommate who was a model. She did a lot of print work. She introduced me to her agent. And he was like, oh, that's called voiceover. There are people who do that. And you need a demo. And I was like, what, what, huh, what? Was this still in the Midwest? This was still in the Midwest. I was going to college. I was at Michigan State, so I was in East Lansing. Okay. And, um... And I just, I didn't know that that was a thing, but it just, it still felt really far away yeah. to me. Um, I didn't understand it, couldn't wrap my head around it. And then fast forward many years later, I had, you know, at that point I graduated from school. I had a career in consulting. What and did you, then, what were you doing? What is, what does that mean? So, so. I, I got a real job, quote unquote, yes. after undergrad. And um, I worked in management and IT consulting, which is basically... We used to call it being doctors for businesses. Okay. So we would go into a business, you know, fresh-faced 20-year-old me would go into a business and talk to somebody three times my age and tell him how he should be running his business. Gotcha. went over really well. <laughs> so what happens? Like a company calls your firm and, and mm-hmm. then you come and represent And so they would come in and they would hire a team of us okay. and we would all come in and, you know, with our little laptops and, you know, our little spreadsheets and like kind of look at how a business ran. Hmm. So, you know, just like a doctor would like take your pulse and like listen to you breathe and all this stuff, we would do the same thing for a company. So, except they would look at like, you know, how do you sell a product, you know, or how do you make a product from like the idea all the way to like manufacturing, all the way to getting it on a store shelf. And is there a way we can make it faster, cheaper, better? Can we use technology to enable it? Like this was very, you know, high level thinking at the time. Yeah. Um, and it was really, it was a really interesting training ground because huh. it was the first time for me where it really hit home that I needed to speak up in the room. 
Um, you know, so I am, my name is Retna. It is not a very traditional Midwestern name. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember having a boss and a mentor just kind of coach me very casually about, you know, how to be seen in the room and how to be professional and, um, to make sure that your voice was heard because there are biases everywhere. And the bias at that time was if I did not speak up and I have a name like mine, they would think that I was a programmer from India that was taking away a job. Um, and that was a very real threat at the time or a feeling of threat. Were you consistently walking into rooms where you were considered like, like, like there was, like there were strikes against you initially? Um, I I think people are very good about masking that. Uh It doesn't come out until a little bit later. They're very kind in the beginning. Um, I think for me, it was just like, how do I, you know, how do I do well at this? Cause I, I liked it. I was good at it and I didn't want anything that I was born with that I cannot control to be something that hinders me from progress. Yes. Let's say that. Um, And so it was just a very conscious effort like, okay, so how do I do this and what do I do? And, you know, it just means that you have to work a little harder and you work a Mm. few more hours than everybody else. And you, you are like constantly kind of pushing and looking for like, okay, how can I really make this better? Mm -hmm. You know, in a way that somebody who is two or three times my age will actually respect my opinion. Yeah. You know, and have that discussion. And I think, you know, because I'm kind of an old soul. Um, <laughs> so it it worked and it was fine. And I, I got to do some really interesting things. What did you, how did you, how did you find your voice? How did you find speaking up in the room? What was that, what was that process for you? I think for me, it was knowing that I had a clear goal. Hmm. Like, you know, you had a project, they put something in front of you and it's, it's kind of like when you make a film or something, like you have a goal, you got to make a project, you got to make a film, it's going to go on a screen, there's a certain date attached to it. So same thing there, you have a project, you have a goal, they want to save X amount of money, or they want to, you know, carve out so much extra time, you know, or, or grow the business by X percent. And so you kind of work backwards from there. Like, Hmm. what do I need? Um, How do I need to do this? What is in my way from getting there? And how do I make those things in my way not be in my way anymore? And so after a while, you just, you start to like form an opinion of how it should go. And, you know, I was lucky because I had great managers and mentors who um, would cede the floor and allow me to speak, you know, um, and, and say, okay, well, this is what I think. Like, you can take my advice or not take my advice, but this is what I think. Yeah. And more often than not, you know, I'm further down in the weeds than they are. They're just going to say, go run with it. Yeah. And then I get to go run with it. And then, you know, hopefully I do well with it. Sometimes you fall down with it and then you, you know, you ask for help and you figure out how to, to rejigger it. Yeah. Um, but it's very, it's very much like what happens, you know, when you're making a, a film or, you know, yeah. putting together a project with a lot of people, you, you're constantly problem solving. And so then it's just about like, how do you, you know, how do you express your opinion in a way that is heard, not necessarily controversial or confrontational, but allows people to choose on their own Yes, and makes everybody feel empowered and good about the choose, the the choice that they're taking. So, um, so I did that for a few years and then I, uh, I went off to grad school because at the time my goal was to be the best gosh darn brand manager I could be. (laughs) <laughs> and everyone I'd ever talked to in my internships and, and stuff at the time said, well, if you do that, you need to get an MBA. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm getting an MBA. Uh-huh. And I moved to California. 
That's what moved you out here. That's what moved me out here. I, I had um, actually been up in the Bay Area working on a project there, and I realized, oh, my gosh, California is amazing. Yeah. Kind of fell in love with it. And um, I got into school at UCLA and ended up starting the MBA program there. No kidding. Yeah. And it was, you know, for me it was, it felt perfect, you know, like sometimes you go someplace and it just feels like home and you don't know why. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was UCLA, honestly, that was Los Angeles. Like I just, I came, I was there to interview for my, my MBA spot Mm -hmm. and I had an hour to kill. Um, because here you're either late or you're super early <laughs> yeah, right. for everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so I had an hour to kill, so I'm like hanging out on the top of the Jance steps. And if, if you've never been to UCLA, it's at the top of a hill. There are a billion like brick line steps. It's beautiful. Um, and so I'm just like sitting there and on one side is a theater and on the other side is a library. And you just look down and on a clear day, you can see all the way almost to the ocean. Mm. And so that was that day. For me, and I just took a breath, and I was like, "Yep, this is where I need to be." And thank God, the gods of admission also agreed, and they offered me the spot. <laughs> that's that's so great. I, I had a moment like that mm-hmm. too. I I mean, this place has always been a been a siren song to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. From the Midwest, but yeah. like the first time I was out here uh, on my own with my own agency, because mm-hmm. um, I'd come out prior maybe 20 some odd years before okay. for like a, a a program through my college oh, cool. um but i was out here to do a pat fraley workshop i oh, love him oh he's amazing <laughs> and i had time to kill and i went on a hill in culver city mm-hmm. and um it was a, it was like a wednesday at two mm-hmm. waiting for my flight at mm-hmm. six mm-hmm. and like this hot air was blowing up the hill but it was cool mm-hmm. and it was just this moment of this is home. Yeah. And I haven't been home. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. such a weird feeling. Yeah. I, I do find that that transition to Los Angeles from Detroit in particular being a really smooth one because it's such an industry town. It is. And you spend so much time in your car in yes. Detroit, too. It's also a car town, which yeah. is helpful, even though I was never a car person, uh-huh. you know, Um but yeah, it's true because you're just used to driving. Yeah, you've you're you're used to figuring things out. It's just spread out. It's just spread out. Right. <laughs> Lots of urban sprawl. So so you started UCLA. Yeah. What, what was your transition into? Well, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. So no. what, what what was that experience like getting your MBA? Um, it was good. It was you know I mean, as much as advanced degrees are like you know you you kind of go and invest a couple of years of your life going back to school. So there's yeah. that sort of mental transition because I had been working yeah you know i've been a nine-to-fiver for a while and so then you have to kind of get back in the discipline of like studying (laughs) (laughs) yeah taking tests like reading just you know gross amounts of of textbook and theory and all this stuff and you know realizing that after a few years away i wasn't as good a student as i thought i was (laughs) um but i also did not plan to go back into consulting or like high finance which are the industries where they care about your grades i see and so everything else was just okay i know i wanted to i knew i wanted to do brand management i wanted to work in marketing um i kind of knew vaguely like how to get there and how to point myself there and and how what classes and stuff I needed. So I just kind of systematically attacked it and did that. But then, you know, on the other side, I was living in L.A. 
I mean, it was the farthest from home that I've ever lived yeah. other than studying abroad. Yeah. So it was a really lovely time to just grow up in a different way, you yep. know, to, to learn how to adult in a brand new city, to make it feel like my own, to explore, to meet people, yeah. you know, and to fall down and learn from that as well. And so, you know, you're just kind of doing those things and checking those boxes. And eventually I ended up um, landing my quote unquote dream job in corporate life, but it necessitated a move to Minneapolis. Oh, wow. So I moved to Minneapolis to take my dream job in the corporate world. And um, I worked for General Mills for a few years. And um, if you've ever been to Minneapolis, you know that the winters are brutal really really cold yes yeah and i i think as much as i loved i loved the company i loved the work and i loved the people that i worked with i did not love the weather yeah and the first winter i went home for christmas and i had left my car in my apartment building parked in this like big parking garage and when i arrived home that Monday, I had to go right to work, and I got to my car, and I had two flat tires, and it wouldn't start because it had been so cold that everything froze and imploded. Oh, my God. And my first call was to AAA, and my second call was to my mother, and I was in tears. Yeah. And I'm like, why? Why is this happening? I don't understand. This city hates me. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that crazy? The company <laughs> loves you. You yeah. love everybody you're yeah. working with, but Everything the city. Is but the city is like rejecting me. <laughs> and, you know, and like, and it was just like a confluence of events because I think when I moved there, like I got sick a bunch of times uh -huh. and, you know, my apartment had issues and just all these little things. And I was like, this city is rejecting me. Like, I don't know why. And um, I had, my goal was to be there for five years and then move wherever I wanted after that. Uh -huh. I made it two maybe three I think it was two um and then I was like okay no I I have to go like I just I cannot stay as much as I love this company and and the people that I'm with I just have to go yeah. so I wanted to come back to LA and I did and I I found another corporate job that moved me back here and um and then that's when you know I the kind of perfect storm started happening creatively because um one of my hobbies is salsa dancing so, really? Yeah, like ballroom dancing, tango, all of that stuff. That's awesome. And so for a while, I was very heavy into that scene. And I would go dancing like pretty much any night of the week, as long as I didn't have something big the next morning. Yeah. <laughs> like a big like, like meeting, a big meeting or, or a presentation yeah, yeah. or, you know, something um, where I had to like be on. Um, but I would go dancing. And one of the dancers um, that was friends with me at the time you know, he had a day job just like I did. And one time we're dancing and he goes, you know, I work in IT, but you know what I really want to do? And I said, what? And he goes, voiceover. And everything in my body just clicked. Huh. I was like, what? Say that again. And then it became like every discussion. And anytime I would see him, you know, we're out dancing or we're just chatting casually, you know, I would ask him like, what classes are you taking? Like, what are you doing? And then we would, he would start sending me like people's demos you know, or we would send clips like not even YouTube, but like we would send clips of like favorite animation. Yeah. You know, and it just became a thing. Like, so I started getting a little obsessed with it. And then finally, I think he got tired of me asking and he, he just said, like, Retina, just shut up and take a class already. <laughs> right. Right. Stop hobbying us. Stop, and, and you know, put money stop on. living through me. Like, just yeah. take the stupid class. And I was like, oh, yeah. 
okay. But that's a thing. Like right. that. That's like the admission of taking something that you're excited about mm-hmm. or a fan of, and then like taking like you're that making first it step. real. Yeah, <laughs> it is, and it's kind of scary. Yeah, like taking those first steps, and then you're like, it's like you're saying there's something that that like you want that you didn't know you wanted. And then it's just kind of like waking up. And I was like, whoa, okay. So I took a class. Where did you take a class? Um, So I took a class with uh, Dolores Deal. Mm. God rest her soul. Mm. She was like, I think, 93 at the time. Um, But And blind as a bat, but her ears were still perfect. Mm. And so she had this intro class that was just kind of a survey course. Um, You learned... A little bit of animation, a little bit of commercial, a lot of mic technique. Yeah. Um, and then just kind of methods, tactics for just sort of how to deal with things or how to approach breaking down character. It was like the first voice acting class that I had taken and, you know, the first acting class I'd taken since I was in high school. Yeah. So it was just a really nice introduction. And then, you know, afterwards you got a cassette tape. Of your recording. Yes, you did. And at that time, I did not know where to find a cassette tape. I think they were moldering on a bottom, <laughs> on a bottom <laughs> shelf at a Best Buy. You had to buy a blank and bring your blank uh-huh, in. Uh-huh. Kind of like now it's like bring a stick. Yeah, and now you don't even bring a stick. They <laughs> just yeah. send you a Dropbox. Yeah, that's like, right. Yeah. <laughs> so that, but that was it. You had to bring in a cassette tape, and then I would go home and listen to the cassettes and, and you know, try and, and work on it. And it just, it became an obsession, mm. you know, really. And so if I wasn't dancing, I was spending all of my evenings after work in a class. So it was one of her classes or, you know, a class at voice tracks or, you know, anybody and Pat Fraley's classes, my weekends were taken, you know, and then I got into improv. And so then it was improv and it was voice. Where did you do improv? So I did improv at the Westside Comedy Theater. Oh, great. And it was the original theater was the Westside Eclectic. It was started by a classmate of mine at UCLA. No kidding. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was so, like, just proud of him and them for starting this theater because he had done improv in New York, and then this was a thing he had wanted to do as a passion project. They built the theater. They built it from nothing. And then eventually they sold it to the guys who have it now, which okay. is a West Side Comedy Theater, and they just celebrated 10 years. Freaking amazing. <laughs> That's so awesome. And, um, and those guys have just grown it exponentially into oh, this amazing beast yeah. and the community is beautiful and they are they're just so are you active with that community not now? as much as so? i would like to be yeah. i had um i actually really was my kind of heyday was when they had just bought the theater okay so i was one of the first house teams oh in wow that theater awesome and we performed for about four ish years and then i worked with another house team there for a little while longer and then just the confluence of yep. life and time. Yeah. And so I took a step back. And I but I still like I love to support them. I like to go to shows. Yeah. I still recommend them to yeah. other people and every once in a while I try and drop in and just take a class to like warm up Stay the muscles fresh. because 100%. you know, you forget. Your body and it's forgets. super convenient and all that other oh, yeah, stuff and too, it's especially close. as a, like for us as a west side. Exactly. And as much as I I pay respect and homage to the old IO and to UCB and all those things. Sometimes it's far. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. You got to cross the 405 you know? and get across. Like <laughs> I'm teaching at Second City mm-hmm. starting in May again. And like. Awesome. What are you teaching? Voiceover. Nice. I teach an intro to voiceover That's class. awesome. And it's very much like what you just described mm-hmm. of like, it's a smattering of different stuff, but mm-hmm. the idea really is like, 
if you're new and don't know what the on-ramp looks like or yep. how to get on, yep. I always position it like, I'm like Richard Attenborough going, welcome to Jurassic Park. Basically. And like, <laughs> and trying to, and really, well, I'm, part of the reason I'm doing it at Second City is I'm committed to this mission too of like, I want to keep it inexpensive. Yes. Because voiceover training in particular yes. is, can be It can be pricey. Prohibitive. Yeah. yeah. So I, I like being like, hey, look, if you know, if, if you take my class and discover I really love audiobooks. Then you're not going to spend five grand chasing voice matching. Right. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. So that's, that's really the idea. No, I think that's great. And, and that's kind of the way to do it, too. It's like when you go to college, and now mm. college is like this vocational thing. They're like, you need to know where you're going to go. Yeah. But you should have the opportunity to explore, right? I agree. You know, you should have the opportunity to say, like, oh, I want to try medicine, and I want to try biology, and I want to try, like, sports, like, yeah. whatever, business. Because you will never get that opportunity in life without great financial cost mm -hmm. or access, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. you gotta you got to hunt people down Absolutely. for that. Absolutely. And acting, I think, is the same way. Yeah. And, you know, voiceover is interesting because I feel like for a long time we were sort of the stepchild of the acting world. Yeah. And it's still acting. Yes. And so a lot of people who come to me from the on-camera side of things and they ask about voiceover, they're like, oh, well, it's just voiceover. I'm like, no, 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 it's still acting. Mm -hmm. You still need those chops because otherwise nobody's going to believe you and they don't get to see your pretty face. So I can't fake it with my face. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. You, you hear everything. <laughs> Man. So talk to me about your process then from making this transition. You become... It becomes your sole so focus. It becomes my focus. It's just, it's my obsession. It's my passion. I start to just dream about, like, how can I build a life? Honestly, how can I build a life that I love? That I wake up mm. and I look in the mirror every morning and I'm, I feel fulfilled. I feel creatively fulfilled. I feel intellectually fulfilled. And I make a decent enough living that I can keep a roof over my head and yeah. gas in my car and all that stuff. And, you know, I loved parts of corporate life and at this point I had moved on to a different job and um to be honest it was becoming very stressful mm. you know so that particular company the culture was a little bit toxic and so you know you're constantly watching your back and you're always just on and crunching and moving there's always some you know deadline or fire or whatever and I was looking at this going there's a better way to do this there is a better way to do this. I know it can be done. And my first thought initially was, how can I just build, like, a, what do they call it? Location independent life. Huh. I was working in international marketing. All of my, my clients, my internal clients, my, my colleagues were all overseas. And yet I still had to get in my car and drive through traffic and go to the South Bay and sit in a desk and stare at a wall. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, how can I do this? And I did a little thought experiment and I don't recommend this at home to everybody because <laughs> this could get you fired. But I basically called in sick for a week and I worked from home. And I just kind of charted like, you know, how much more stuff am I getting done or how much less stuff am I getting done versus when I'm in the office and everybody's coming into my you know, cubicle going, hey, did you see that episode of blah, blah, blah last night? And oh, by the way, can I talk to you about this thing or the other project? And and then you're constantly like switching tasks and you have that mental game that you're playing when you're trying to like refocus. Yeah. And it turned out I was a lot more efficient when I worked on my own because I'm still doing the stuff. I'm still interacting with all of my clients. Yeah. We're still getting a lot of stuff done. But there's that there was still that need at the time for FaceTime. Like, what's the point of the FaceTime if nobody ever sees my face? Right. 
And, and then I thought, well, okay, how do I build this life that I want? If it's not coming from here and I don't want the corner office in this world, what office do I want? And it became, yeah, voiceover. Because every time I stepped into a booth like this or even a tiny little closet or a pillow fort, doesn't matter. <laughs> I was just like, I was a kid. I was like yeah. giddy. I was, I was like, oh my God, I get to play. I am allowed to do this. And, you know, it's such a mental shift. Yeah. You know, especially coming from a very type A, very like in your head, cerebral environment to come to a place like this where it's very, it's creatively focused. It's almost like heart centered in a way yeah. and, and instinct centered. And so you're just letting those things play out. Hmm. And so then I started, you know, kind of dreaming. What is that like? And it, it turned out, okay, no, this is a thing I want to do. I can't imagine how I have let myself not do this for so long. Yeah. So I started putting the money away I did I did my demos I built this um very rudimentary website on iWeb <laughs> or whatever that was <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, yeah yeah you know like the most basic yeah. as elegant as I could make it thing yeah. right and you know god bless the marketing background so it was very much on brand for me that's good um you know and and then I just started shopping it around and you know getting recommendations and I was Fortunate to have a few people walk my demo into their agents and. How did you get your demo produced? Did you self-produce it? Did you did you go to like Chuck and um, where, where did you great go? Great question. Mm -hmm. I was not confident in my technical skills to self-produce, uh -huh. so I definitely thought it was worth the money and the time to get the coaching, and make sure my acting chops were on point first, yeah. and then once I felt comfortable with that, to go have somebody else produce my demo because then I don't have to worry about what happens on the other side of the glass. Yeah. So I, um, uh, Cynthia Sanjay and Chuck produced my animation demo. Okay. And um, then Susan Palio over at Voice Tracks West did my commercial demo. Uh -huh. And, you know, it was great. It was a wonderful process. It's very collaborative. You know, they're, they're all really encouraging kind of coaching yeah. people. So they're not going to let you fall. But they're also not going to let you put something on there that you cannot reproduce. Yes. That's so important. Because the problem with, I think, a lot of demos or a lot of people who do demos too quickly is you cannot reproduce that sound yeah. that you just marketed. And mm. then there's somebody on the other side of the glass who gets frustrated because you're not as advertised. You're not as advertised and they can't coach you into that. And if they can't coach you into that, they, you know, they might end up replacing you yeah. or they might not ask you back. You know, and, and you your job is to be malleable and to be directable and to be able to reproduce the things that you say you can reproduce. Yes. You know, which is why I don't tell people that I am, you know, Cirque du Soleil Tumblr. Because I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I will fall on my face. That's right. That's why I don't tell people that either. That is not a special <laughs> skill on my resume. That's right. <laughs> I don't lie about my water skiing. Right. Anymore. <laughs> you know, my swimming skills, laughable. So, <laughs> you know. But you got your materials produced. But I got them produced. And, you know, I did it in the time that felt good for me. Yeah. You know, which is probably like still, you know, like all people who want to get their demos done yesterday. Yeah. You know, like it was still probably a little bit later than I'd hoped, but it was when it needed to happen. Well, I think that's yeah. really important to to hear and reinforce. Mm -hmm. It's the thing I hear so often. We were talking before, we're mm -hmm. on microphone of people who who ask advice and questions and always the thing that they know that they need is an agent and a demo. Mm -hmm. But like 
those things are like what they want, like a headshot and a mm -hmm. model agency. And it's like, it's not the same thing yep. at all. Yep. You need to take that time. Yeah, and you have to work on your craft. Yes. Like this is a craft and it's it takes time and practice and those 10,000 focused hours, you yeah. need them. Yes. You know, and it's it's not enough just to watch all of the animation or listen to all of the audiobook narration in the world. It's it's you have to practice it and hone it and listen back and play and experiment and fail and pick yourself back up and lather, rinse and repeat <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> until it becomes enough muscle memory in your gut and your heart and your brain that you're like, okay, now I feel good. Let's go do this thing. Mm. You know, and I like I just I just did a promo demo this year. I have been waiting years to do it. And it wasn't that I wasn't confident, you know, or didn't have the money or whatever, but it was just that, like, those, you know, you just want to make sure you feel good in your body yeah. doing this stuff and that you can reproduce it and then that you have the right team behind you to make it happen. Yeah. And so, you know, finally everything came together and I was like, yep, this is the time to do it. Let's go do it. Run. So, so why? Why a promo demo? Why an animation demo? Why uh uh, uh, you know, commercial demo, sure. like, like, great question. I, I think, not, not, you know, why? Yeah. I, yeah, I yeah. know your skill set, yeah. and and I have a suspicion for the answer, <laughs> but I would rather hear your description. Yeah, for sure. Like, what, what led you to a promo demo? Yeah. For so, uh, the commercial demo, I think, is the the bread and butter of our work. Mm -hmm. So, I think that was the first thing I did. You know, no matter what happens in the world, people are always producing commercials. Right now, the medium is changing, like has changed, is changing, will change, but there is always somebody selling something. So commercial demo, that was a no-brainer. Yeah. Animation, because it is my blood. I want to do it. I want to be, you know, like the Tara Strongs and, and yeah. Gray Griffins of the world, like all of those wonderful people that I grew up and came of age listening to. You know, I want to follow in their footsteps. Yeah. And so that was just, that was the no-brainer for me. Yeah. Um, the auxiliary path was to do a, a video game demo because I also do, you know, a handful of video games. Yeah. And I love doing them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's it will happen in its own time or it won't. And I will decide that when I'm ready. Yes. And then the promo was because I, Cynthia Sanjay had actually recommended that I, I explore promo when I was working with her for the animation. And um, I had originally thought, meh, you know, like, like at the time, the only time you ever heard a woman doing promo was for the Lifetime movie of the week. Hmm. And I was like, okay, well, you know, that chick's got it. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, that job's taken. So how else do I do this? But I got in the booth and she recommended some teachers and I, and I hired them. I took private lessons um, with uh, Joyce Castellanos. Oh, yes. And um, Jean Cordes for a while. And then I jumped into some workouts and I just fell in love with the challenge and the music of it. Yeah. And it, it you know, because a lot of times you are you are working to time and to picture and sometimes you're trying to like get in little bits sound bites they call them sot's um from the actual show but you're trying to tell a story in a very concentrated bit of time and i loved the challenge of it yeah. um i think it's just because i love musicals i love music and so it's just for me it, it felt like a really good progression and you know as time passed like there there are more places for a woman to play yeah. And more places for a woman with my voice to play. Because I don't have the traditional, like, female smoky promo voice, uh -huh. you know. 
um, I can drink all the whiskey in the world, which would be delicious, and I still wouldn't have that voice. Um, but there are places for me to play, and even yeah. even without that, there are other places where you can apply the learning. And so I, I've fallen into like uh, dubbing, so like you know oh, foreign right. language dubbing to English, and it's a it's a similar skill set. Really? Because you are you're chasing a picture and you're chasing somebody else's performance. Yeah. And you know part of what you're doing is finding the rhythm of that piece or that character, putting yourself in her body or their story, and then writing it out. Yeah. You know, so that you can be that character if you're, you know, dubbing a character in a telenovela, or if you are, you know, doing a promo, you know, you're you're in that story and yeah. you're telling it to your friend, your buddy, yeah. you know, the person listening on the other side. I really love that aspect about promo is mm -hmm. that, that I think it was, I was taking a workshop with Dave Walsh this past mm -hmm. year. Him and Mary Jo Smith, and and it was about that very thing of yeah. like when you're doing a promo for a show on ABC, mm -hmm. you are not some disembodied voice nope. selling the show. You are a, you are a important part of mm -hmm. that show. You're with those actors. Yeah. You're with those. You characters. are a character as much as they are. Yeah. You know, and you are you're the person who lets somebody in on on that yeah. bit of knowledge. Like, hey, dude, did you know this? There's a new episode. Right. <laughs> coming right. like and you know for me if i'm living under a rock oh really i love that show let me go watch it right <laughs> it's like you're the hand that reaches through the fourth wall and right? grabs the audience says come join us right son. Yeah. or you've never seen this before come on come and on, watch you should see it it's right? amazing yeah, yeah you know yeah. <laughs> very much like <laughs> when your kid's running around in the in the yard and you're like come on over here and play right oh that's so <laughs> great excuse me um Super fun. So, oh, that's yeah, that's that's how it's accidental evolution. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> but exactly that's where I, I wanted and needed to be. So That's awesome. You've, you, I mean, you've, you've con one of the things that I really, uh, like, you you wrote a piece for Backstage. You've mm -hmm. been, like, you really, you're active in your blog life. You share your journey. Mm -hmm. Like, um, What's what's that about? Do you feel a uh, calling to express what your journey is about? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, good question. I think I am the grandchild of teachers. Mm. I think my mother was very adamant that the one thing she could give me, if she could give me nothing else, was my education. And I think I took that to heart. So I tutored in school. I you know I I've mentored students. You know it's it's very much in my blood in my in my DNA to help other people on their journey and to educate people yeah. on what's going on. And I think if sharing a little bit of my experiences is helpful in your journey or somebody who's listening to this in their acting journey, then I've done my job. Hmm. It's great. I'm happy to help. I'm happy for me to stumble and fall and cry if that will save you the pain. Yeah, right. Exactly. <clears throat> because, you know, then I did it for you. You don't have to do it. Right. You go make a different mistake. <laughs> And share it. And share it. Tell so we us can what all learn. So we can all avoid that that, exactly. that rock. Exactly. Path. And you know, and then you know, to be able to laugh at your mistakes and mm. and poke fun at them and share them with other people. So I think part of the reason why I was called to write about it and blog about it and you know even to come here is just I want to help. Like mm. I I would love for other people to come into this business who are as dedicated and focused and talented as you are as other people that you've had as guests and know what they're really getting into yeah. 
you know, I think the part that breaks my heart a little bit is, you know, when I've mentored students who have this false notion that getting into voiceover is like the golden ticket to winning the lottery. Yeah. And I can just do this stuff in my pajamas at home in the middle of nowhere, wherever you are. And you can to a limit. Yes. But if you have bigger dreams than that limit, then you also have to know what that is and what it means to get there and what kind of work and sacrifice and compromise and juggling that all takes. Yeah. You know, so I am um, <laughs> one thing that just came out and I don't know when this is going to air, uh -huh. but um, the Beyonce documentary on Coachella Homecoming. Yeah. yeah. This is a case study on what it takes to perform at that level. And if you have any ambition of getting even like a tenth to where she is, not just the stage show, which is amazing, but the stuff she does behind the scenes and the work and the focus and the sacrifice that she does to get herself from postpartum having had twins yeah. to being in rocking dancing shape to command that stage two weekends in a row. That's a lot of work. That's a ton of work. That's a lot of work. And it's not just, she's not just performing, you know. She's, you know, directing and producing and they were producing this thing at the same time. And you don't even think about all of the different hats yeah. she has to wear. So how many times does she have to, like, sort of switch focus? Yeah. You know, like, today I'm dancing. Today I'm working on the singing. Tomorrow I'm working on the production and figuring out the costumes. It's the same thing here. Yeah. And, you know, my biggest thing is because I switched careers. Like, I took a hard left turn out of corporate life yeah. to become creative and, and become an actor. Um, and that was a journey, and that's a process. And it's, it's a mental one, and it's a heart journey. And you have to be prepared for all of the ups and downs that come with it. And so part of the reason why I write and why I have these conversations is because I want you to understand mm. what that takes. And I want you to, to know for yourself if you're capable of it. Yeah. Not everybody is, and that's okay. Right. You know, sometimes it's enough to know that you tried. Yeah. And for other people, it's, no, I have to do this. And for me, it was, this is the thing I cannot not do. So if I turn this off right now, I would probably fall over and die. <laughs> Bye, yeah. everybody. Um, but... <laughs> I, feel, I feel that same way. Yeah. And that, that knowing what... It's like... Is I, I really appreciate 100% of what you just said. Mm -hmm. That sense, too, of people who, who think that it's just once I have a reel and mm -hmm. once I have an agent, I'm done, I've achieved. I'm, yeah. I'm in Wonka's factory Right, now. right. And I just have to not drink from the chocolate river. It's like, no, man. Augusta, like, sweetheart. <laughs> oh, no. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. Da, 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 da. <laughs> the rest of the show will be us uh, acting out the way we want in the chocolate factory. Violet, you're turning violet, Violet. <laughs> There's no earthly way of knowing. But um, the, uh, no, the... Um, what you just said about about Beyonce, mm -hmm. like while you were describing that, some of the images that were coming to my mind were some of the things that have motivated me. Like it's like a behind the scenes documentary on the making of Death Race mm -hmm. with Jason Statham, mm -hmm. and he's walking around in the set, and Craft Service is walking around, and the lady brings. They're all eating cake. Okay. And he turns to the camera, he's like, "Yeah, everyone's eating cake. Look what I got." 
uh, cauliflower and turkey <laughs> breast. Enjoy your cake, you know? But like that level of sacrifice Absolutely. to be able to do yeah. the bareback pull-ups that he does yeah. for that reason or all that other stuff. But that that, that is... A, getting to a certain place doesn't secure anything. No. And it, it what it takes is your willingness to keep keep grinding and to not get discouraged when you make that discovery. Right. Well, and I think we think life is a series of the ends, right? Like mm. I get the demo, the end, I'm made. I get the agent, the end, I got it. It's not, it's a series of what's next. Yeah. Like what's the next thing? It's a new beginning. You know, I get the demo, that begins another process. I get the agent, that begins another process. Yeah. I got dropped by my agent, or I need a new agent, that's another process. So your path could be very circuitous. It could be a straight line, we don't know. But you just have to understand, like, it may not be easy. It may not all be sunshine and rainbows. We would love it to be, but it's Certainly. not. Um, <clears throat> and that, like, that's okay. Yeah. And that you're constantly just like asking yourself, okay, what's the next thing I need to do today? You know, and you, you understand this too. Like we drive all over town, we're doing all of these things. You're constantly prepping. Plus you have a family, yeah. you know, you have other things that, that ask for your time and your attention and your energy. So we just constantly are, are pulling these things into and out of balance. And mm. how do we do this day in and day out? And sometimes all you can do is, you know, get out of your bed and not be in pajamas <laughs> right? and do one thing, yeah, like one little thing. But there is no the end. Right. Right. It's just a to be continued. And you celebrate every single one of those victories every because one. when they come, like, Man. yeah, and, and, you know, and, and it is the little stuff, mm -hmm. like sometimes getting an audition, like for me, getting an audition for a thing mm -hmm. that I'm, I don't want to jinx it one way or the other whether i'll book it or not right. but just be, to be in the mix and to be considered yeah. and to be able to participate yeah. going boy i i know yeah. so many people have not right so many people want to and don't have this copy in their inbox right and it's a privilege yeah to do what we do that's right you know it's it's a privilege it's an honor even you know like what we might think is like the dumbest piece of copy ever is still like the most amazing thing that we get to do because it's the difference between you and I sitting here and me still sitting in that cubicle. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Right? Or, you know, whatever your office day-to-day -day is. Yeah. That's, that's so true. <laughs> what? That was great. What, what, is your, uh, what is your process when that copy arrives in your box? How do you approach a piece of, let's say... For now, let's let's say a piece of commercial copy mm. for this box of Kleenex. Uh, so the first thing I do is just kind of read through the email. Um, there's usually some specs in there, some specifications. So it's instructions on how they like it to be submitted. What kind of a voice are they looking for? Is there a certain tone? You know, if I know the brand, what do I know of the brand? Mm -hmm. You know, and this is this is my marketing brain yeah. clicking in is like. I used to be the client on the other side of the glass. I used to hire the people in this room or on a commercial set. So I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of the agency and the client who are hiring these people. 
what are they looking for? What are they working on? Did they just change agencies? So maybe they're just looking for a whole sea change. Mm-hmm. Like they just want something completely different from their last voice. Or, you know, maybe their last voice, like she decided to start a farm in Nebraska and she moved away and they just want to keep going what she did. Yeah. So, you know, that's sort of the thought process I go through. I'll read through the copy a couple of times just to make sure I understand what they're looking for. When you do that, are mm-hmm. you and you're and you're bringing your your past experience as a marketing person mm-hmm. to bear. Which is fascinating and how incredibly helpful too is like as a back skill set to mm-hmm. be able to have that sense of what's going on yeah. through that process. Mm-hmm. But um are you do you what can you divine from the copy in that way? Uh, you know what I mean? Mm, I think you can you can get a sense for like the tone and where the writer is going, um, what the brand wants. And then from there, I just start playing. You know, sometimes I'll just leave the microphone on and I'll just read through yeah. out loud. And it might be exactly what I want or maybe not quite and then I'll I'll just kind of experiment and for commercial copy I feel a little more confident yeah. right so because we just you get it day in and day out and after a while your your chops are honed yes. and this is where when you're just starting out you have to read every day and you have to make up commercial copy so that you get a feel for what that is like or yeah. listen to other commercials and then just transcribe them so that you you understand the rhythm of what a commercial is yeah. and even as you know, we sort of change the nature of how we like to be sold to. Those things, those are trends. They ebb and flow. Hmm. So right now, we don't want to be sold to. <laughs> That's so, why the non-announcer. Right. Everything is non-announcer. Everything is conversational. Even yeah. the announcer stuff that says, buy this car for zero down. Right. Is still a conversation. That's right. Um, but it was it was yeah. interesting. It was something that Sherry said to me the other day uh-huh. uh, that, that social media is the new word of mouth. Mm-hmm. It's just word of mouth. Yep. So that's that still that advocacy of, yep. you know, like we were describing with promo before. Yep. It's the exact same thing. Come into like, my living room. I love this thing. Yeah. You'll love it too because exactly. I love you and yeah. I know that you love this. And right now we're in an age where we need social proof. There's so much mm. information out there and there's so much media to consume that you could go down a rabbit hole for days just trying to pick the right brand of Kleenex if you wanted to. Yeah. Right? Um. You know, I think about like my old roommate, she needed to buy a car. It took her two years to decide because there was so much information. Yeah. Like, how do you stop drinking from the fire hose? At some point, you just have to turn it off. Yeah. And make a choice. Well, it's like going to emotion at that point, right? right? You just, what feels right. Right. And that's the same thing like when you approach commercial copy or like even animation copy is like intellectually, I've been through the steps. I know what I need to do. At the end of the day, it just has to feel good. Mm. It has to feel good coming out of my mouth and out of my body. And sometimes I know it's not for me because I'll try it a couple times and I'll be like, mm, this is not, it's not right. And I'll, I'll either send a note or I'll, I'll say, um, you know, here it is. And you know, you do what you want with it. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's how it is. You just have to feel good in it. Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of how I know I'm done. And, and I don't spend a lot of time on it because you can make yourself crazy. Yeah. That's. <laughs> Like, I came in sweaty because yeah. I was spending a lot of time on it making myself crazy. Yeah, and we've all had that conversation yeah. with, you know, ourselves and with other actors who you're like, they spend like an hour Frankensteining something mm. together. And at that point, you have to ask yourself the question, okay, if I had to work this hard for the audition and I booked it, can, that, can I actually reproduce this? <laughs> 
if the answer is no, walk away yeah. with love and joy. Yeah. But if the answer is yes, then yeah, keep it going. Right. But sometimes the Franken take is not the right thing to do. I'll, and that's what I'll end up, like it happened the other day where I was in a session and and we did our read and they were like, hang on, if I do, and I was like, why don't you play me what you like from that and that and let me fix it for you because all I need to know is what you want. Thank you. And then I'll give it to you without, I'll give you three of them and I'll beat what we did Yep. because I'll know what you want. Yep. You know, and it's figuring, you know, having the confidence in your own skill set mm-hmm. and your ability to call your shots and aim your sh- um, metaphors. I understand. Uh, <laughs> but you know what I mean? To yeah. tie all that stuff together. Yeah. I think ultimately you just have to trust yourself and trust in your skills and that the the craft is there. It will come out of you if it's meant to. And you just have to trust in that. <laughs> And I think that is the hardest lesson for this type A, Midwestern raised, like, you know, B-school, like, not dropout, but B-school left turn, (laughs) (laughs) you know, to acknowledge and accept is that, you know, you're enough as a human, you're enough with your training, you just have to go out there and trust that you're enough and lay it out there and leave it on the mic or leave it on the stage and then just go home and enjoy your day. Mm -hmm. You know, and when I worked in an office, that's not a thing you did. You, you know, you went home and you drank your day or you went home and you fretted over your day. And that's, that is the freedom um, that becoming my own boss and choosing this life allowed me to do. That's so awesome. (laughs) That's so awesome. And true. And true. Like I, I... I've never felt more relaxed mm-hmm. and off the clock yeah. than when I'm truly off the clock and got my stuff done. Yep. And sometimes things can be crazy. Yeah. Sometimes it can be challenging. Yep. But at the end of the day, I sleep well mm-hmm. knowing that, you know, yeah. I got my work done. Right. You can go home and be really present with the people you love. That's right. You know, and you're not worried. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Dude, this I could talk to you for so much longer. I, I intend to. We just won't be able to record it all. That's okay. That's fine. You're amazing. Thank you so You're much amazing. for having me. Oh my God. <laughs> so, so are two last questions. Okay. Uh, uh, where can people find you on social media if they want to follow you and your work and your blog and all that yep. other kind of stuff? Um, so, if you want to follow me on social media, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Diamond Song. So, um, and then if you are still on Facebook, and that's okay if you are, <laughs> uh, it's voiceof.retina, and my name is spelled R-A-T-A-N-A, and then my website is retina.net. Awesome. And uh, do you have anything that's coming out that you can talk about or would love to, or a project that you've done that, that you're in particular like, this thing was an amazing thing to be a part of, uh, and I'd love for you to just check I, it out. I wish the NDAs would allow me, but <laughs> yeah. the gods of non-disclosure say no right now. I will say that um, this has been a lovely season for me creatively, and I'm very grateful I'm for the projects either. that I've worked on that one day when I can talk about it, yes. I cannot wait to sing their praises. Amen. Well, that's great. Dude, uh, thank you so much oh God, for dropping thank by. You. This was just a great way. To, so, uh, so lovely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and thank you for joining us. And uh, more episodes coming soon. Peace.
This has been All Over VoiceOver with Kiff VH. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and give us a positive rating. It truly helps. Follow me on Twitter at KiffVH or on Instagram at KiffVH or on Vero at KiffVH. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you soon. Claim victory and depart the field. Werewolf? Yeah.